is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. My name is Chris, and I'm with Jeremy, and we're doing our Youth Worker Recharge for this. Yes, it's it's so good. Um, And I'm also like a little terrified, a little excited because... (laughs) We've invited a former youth from my youth ministry days at St. Luke's United Methodist Church to join us today. Uh, Jeremy and I had an idea about connecting with youth who we haven't talked about in a while uh, and talked with in a while to kind of just catch up with them and and hear stories from youth ministry and see how uh, that goes and what weird directions it takes us. Um, Alyssa, hello. Hello. (laughs) Um, I I definitely can share one as we get started. So, Jeremy, you, you have never met Alyssa before today. I have not. I verified that. You have uh, the ability to ask basically any question that you want. But one of my uh, reasons that I wanted to invite Alyssa to uh, our time together is that um, when her family joined our church, uh, they had recently moved from Canada. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, Yes. And are they funny? uh, They're very polite. Is that the same? (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, they're polite. Canadians, polite and funny, right? All the best comedians are from Canada. Absolutely. They are. Um, Well, and Ricky Gervais. So, so the reason that they ended up at St. Luke's United Methodist Church is that before they had moved, they were members of the United Church of Canada. And they saw okay. the, the word united in the name of our church. It was like, oh, right. that's probably pretty much the same. Pro- thing. Probably um, yeah, the same. thing. And that's how they ended up joining us. So Alyssa and her younger sister, Nikki, uh, both were part of my youth group growing up. And I haven't talked to you in like forever, Alyssa. So hello. And it's good to see you. Hello, good to see you too. <laughs> and the real important thing to get out of the way is last week we had a former youth of mine involved and Chris found out uh, some really embarrassing details about my past as a youth worker. So I would love to know, like, what story, what story rings in your mind that you, just makes you laugh and, you know, will also make Chris slightly embarrassed. Like that, that's important. We got to start in our good stuff. <laughs> well, I just remember um, when I was at youth and we would go on our yearly mission trip every summer. Um, I, we had a, a joke that Chris got hurt every other year during the mission trip. <laughs> Not every year, every other year. And it was like clockwork. Um, I still remember my first trip. We were in a we were swimming in this creek that we were um, that ran through the summer camp that we were working on, and mm-hmm. Chris came up from being under the water bashed his head on a rock and of course all the youth are in the water and we're trying panicking trying to make sure that he's okay and uh, uh <laughs> and uh, i think i was in eighth grade so <laughs> probably the most helpful and, uh, i think i want to say two years later i think you had cut your your thumb really oh, badly uh, <laughs> i still have the scar for this one yeah that one I think was, that one was even worse because I think you had to go to the hospital for that one. <laughs> I, I should remember. have gone to the hospital. That <laughs> was in Maine, and we were um, replacing the cedar shingles on the outside of cabins uh, as one of the projects at this camp. And there was a youth that could not carve this little notch out of uh, his cedar shingle. Um, and I was like, oh, give it to me. I'll do it. And then sure enough, like I ran the utility blade through my thumbnail and yeah. then like all the way down to my knuckle and over. So I have this really funky scar on my left thumb. Um, that was a that was a very good one. You were in Maine from Colorado. Do they not have 
service trips closer to Colorado? There are many. <laughs> um, actually, uh, when I was at St. Luke's, like missions and service ended up being one of the cornerstones of summer stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would do local missions and service opportunities as preparation for sort of like a longer week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so that particular trip that Alyssa is talking about, we flew into Boston uh, because Denver and Boston are both United hubs. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we rented five different vans. We had a really large group at the time. We had maybe 60 people on this trip. Um, and yeah. uh, Alyssa, you probably wouldn't know this, but like the scariest part of that trip for me was um, that we had rented six 15 passenger vans plus a U-Haul to hold all of our luggage. And we had to shuttle all of that stuff out of Boston into Maine. And Boston is not known for having like the friendliest drivers. So us being lost and having this caravan of like six giant cars trying to get to Maine was very stressful for me at the time. Um, But I'm glad we got where we got. Um, I'm curious, Alyssa, um, just where you are now, especially in terms of spirituality, I know that for most people your age um, that started in church, they actually are not, you know, they don't attend church regularly anymore. Um, and But also most of those people still consider themselves you know, spiritual people uh, and engaged. So I'm curious, where, where are you right now with, uh, with spirituality and all of that? Uh, I, I say you nailed it right there. <laughs> yeah, that description. I I don't consider myself someone who goes to church regularly. Um, I I'll go to St. Luke's with my parents um, right. if I'm home for a holiday. Sometimes we go at Christmas or Easter, um, that sort of thing. But I would definitely consider myself more spiritual than right um, conventionally religious. <laughs> right, for sure. So, how did you get from youth group kid? to that like what were the things that what was that road like what was what were some of the like moments on the path yeah I would say probably the biggest shift was just when I went to college Mm -hmm. um I I didn't really seek out a church where I went to college I mean I was pretty close to home so I could go to St. Luke's um, which was only about 30 minutes away if I wanted to and I attended I'd say more regularly then um but it just kind of dropped off. And then I moved up to Boulder after I graduated from high or from college and same sort of thing. I just never really yeah. felt the calling to find like a home church again and mm-hmm. um, kind of found spirituality in another, in a different way or kind of my own way. Yeah. Um, what is, what, what was that? What um, works I, for you right now? I see it. And I think a lot of this came from the, the youth group that I was a part of. Um, but I see church as being more of what do you do in the community and mm-hmm. how can you serve as as Jesus would have in your community that isn't necessarily attending a church on a Sunday morning. And I right. find myself more connected to church mm-hmm. when I'm doing something like that. Yeah. Um, so I would say seeking out opportunities to serve in my community is more of what I would consider church. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. A lot of people, I, I have that conversation with people all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have a couple of friends who attend different churches and I, I've kind of dabbled into them, but I just haven't mm-hmm. really felt a connection in the way that I do. Yeah. Serving in my community. So. Yeah, totally. Um, but so, I will say uh, my favorite church service continues or it has been and continues to be the good Friday service. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will attend that. <laughs> That's awesome. 
What, <laughs> what, what do you like about that service? I just think it's really pretty. Um, at St. Luke's they do, um, they, they have, um, tenebrae is the fancy word. Oh, Chris bringing out the yeah. $20 Christian word. <laughs> That's right. I, <laughs> tenebrae service is the fancy word for what okay. they set up on good Friday, but yeah, go ahead yeah. and explain. Um, they have at St. Luke's, uh, Dr. Jim is still there. He sings, sings the song that, um, were you there when they, they do the processional out and then they, mm-hmm. they set up the whole cross and, and put all the, the garments and the altar, um, things on it. And that's my favorite service. So I'll still attend that every year, but, um, that's cool. That's probably, probably the only one that I, I would say I regularly attend besides maybe Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Alyssa, looking back, one of the things I'm really curious about are uh, either some of the lessons or the feelings that kind of stuck with you from your time Mm -hmm. in youth group, right? Um, Jeremy and I know a lot of people that spend a lot of time on worship services and on sermons and on curriculum and on Sunday school lessons and those kind of things. And there might be some that like, I thought I was really proud of and be like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I crushed this thing. And it was the most amazing thing I've ever done. And honestly, probably nobody remembers it, right? Even though I think <laughs> right. I just crushed the thing. So I'm totally curious, uh, e- even if it's like not a specific lesson or a specific night or anything mm-hmm. like that, but what are some of the, the feelings and lessons that you feel like have, have kind of stuck with you from your teen years? Yeah, I, I wrote some down because I because <laughs> you're an because you're an engineer. You wanted to do that. Um, but I would say probably some of the biggest lessons that I learned from from youth group were just like openness and kindness to all types of people. Um, we had a, a variety of people in our youth group, even being from uh, Highlands Ranch, which is a predominantly white area. We had a lot of diversity in our our youth group, which I loved being just being around different types of people. Um, St. Luke's is also a very inclusive church. Um, and our youth group was very inclusive to LGBTQ youth. Um, just people from a variety of backgrounds, different situations, and, um, just being, being in the same area and in the same room as, as people like that and being able to talk to them really, I think broadened my horizons as far as empathy and openness to people who weren't like me. Um, and that's something that I'll, I'll definitely, carry forward um, and continue to look back on with appreciation. Um, and then just kind of having a space to feel accepted as a teen. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's such a difficult time. And I mean, I was a pretty weird kid in high school, especially probably still am. Um, We're all weird kids. That's <laughs> 100%. And I always felt, I, I always knew that I could feel included at our youth group. Um, and the lessons were open to anyone's thoughts and ideas. Um, so that, that's also something that I definitely still like look back on fondly, um, from my time as a youth. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I hear a lot of really wonderful things. I, I, I think for a lot of teenagers that are involved in youth groups, like it's a lifeline to them in, especially in hard times and stuff like that. I, 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 I'd be curious, do you have a a story that you can think of something that's sort of emblematic of your youth group time. When you say like, you know, as a teenager, this, this is why this was really helpful to me. Like a nut, like a youth worker who's just starting out and here's this, you know, here's you tell this story and be like, Oh yeah, I need to do things like that. I need to be that kind of uh, 
Yeah, um, there was one there was one time that I remember in youth group, um, we were having a fishbowl discussion. Okay. About, Can you uh, explain what that is? That's so we would, I can't remember the exact like details of it, but I remember everyone would sit in a circle and there would be like a topic in the middle that we would discuss and you could just kind of go back and forth with that. I don't know. Maybe Chris can remember more no, you details got about that. Oh, that. That's exactly what it is. I'll, I'll be happy to jump in. So like if, if you're the youth leader, whoever's setting it up, circle of chairs, everybody's got a chair um, so that they can sit and listen. If you're in the outer circle, if you're making up the bowl, you're listening, right? That's not the place where you're talking. That's the place where your ears are open and you're really seeking to understand. In the middle, you set up three or four chairs um, and there's always one empty chair in the middle. So the, the middle chairs are for the people that are talking. Um, and when somebody has something to say, they come in and they sit in the empty chair in the middle of the fishbowl. Um, and that means somebody who has been talking needs to leave the middle yeah. so that you do have this kind of structured way of getting a lot of different opinions. Um, yeah. And hopefully it stops somebody from like taking over the conversation because we all know people that can do that. Right. All right. Anyway, I'll so you. yeah. you're in that setup. You're, you're in the so fishbowl. We were having a discussion and I think I was just listening. Um, I don't think I was talking at that point. And we were talking about um, like sin as it, as it, um, applies to our lives and stuff. And a couple of the youth had brought up that they were members of the LGBTQ community or they were friends with people. And I just remember one of the adults in the room had a very different opinion than us because we were very open and he was very closed off to the idea that those people should be accepted in our church. And that was just immediately shut down by everyone in the youth group, not even the other adults that were present. They just said, no, they're, they are accepted in this area and everyone is. And that, that really stuck with me because it was probably one of the first times I can remember a youth a, or a group of youth saying to an adult, we don't think you are right. Mm. And this is what we believe. And I just remember thinking that that group, like I was very proud to be a part of that group. Yeah. Um, and I still remember that. And I still think about that when I see someone older than me that, or maybe in a higher position than me that is saying something I don't agree with. It kind of gives me the ability to say, no, I, I don't agree with that. And I think that this person should be accepted or this is what should, wow. should be right. That's awesome. That's yeah. what, what a great story. <laughs> but yeah, I, I loved, I mean, I, I did enjoy all of those fishbowl discussions. I think it gave us the opportunity to discuss things with, with a variety of people. I mean, we had all age groups in our youth group. We had seventh to 12th grade where welcome in those discussions. So you can get a lot of variety because someone who is 12th grade about to enter, you know, adulthood has may have a very different perspective than someone who is in middle school. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Those, those are, that's such a great tool. Yeah. Uh, one of the other questions I've got definitely for you, Alyssa is um, so you're in engineering and yep. I, I realize I'm probably painting with a broad brush, right? But, um, and you probably got a lot of training directly in engineering from Chris Wilterdink. Oh yes. <laughs> On those mission Our trip experiences. Building. Yeah, totally. Um, how to how to go under a bridge and get a concussion. <laughs> um, so I, I'm imagining that, that most of the people that you work with may not have um, like a current active spiritual life or be connected to a church. And that and that's just me saying um, well, you know, I'm guessing engineers um, and having a younger brother who's an engineer as well that has kind of gone so far on the scientific side of things um, that he has a difficult time 
connecting the scientific world to sort of the spirituality or the faith world. Um, so I'm yeah. sort of curious, like in, in your work and in your vocation, the stuff that you love to do, um, do you find ways that you still sort of end up carrying your faith or carrying your spirituality into your workspace or, or what does that look like for you? Yeah, I can definitely see. I remember um, one of my roommates in college was, was a pretty staunch atheist and I was still pretty involved in a church then. So I remember there was kind of a lot of weird, how do you reconcile believing in this and believing in that. So it kind of took some soul searching to go through and figure out how am I going to reconcile that this like scientific thing is, is somewhat contradictory to maybe what a faith based belief would come. And um, I think personally, I find that like, even though there are a lot of absolute truths in science, there still has to be some type of power, even if I don't know what it is Mm -hmm. um, out there because it's difficult to believe that there's just like nothing there for me, but um, I also like see, see that there are are truths that I believe about science and, and, and that sort of thing. So it it can be challenging to reconcile, um, especially day to day, but I, I like to believe that there's something out there controlling or, or influencing what's going on, whether it's a karmatic, you know, equilibrium in the universe or, Mm -hmm or a higher power that's, that's above all of us. Um, and I, I think just there, I can, I sometimes car- compartmentalize it a little bit, like yeah. this is work time or science time and this is faith time. Um, but even day to day, I still, I still find myself thinking that there must be something else out there. And that's kind of how I reconcile it in my head is like, well, I can see what, what is in front of me and I can believe in that while also believing that there is something, something else out there. Yeah. So um, we're kind of getting towards the end of our time, I think. And, and I, I, um, I have a question that I just, so <clears throat> we have a, a lot of people who work with teenagers who did what in teenagers lives every week, what Chris was in your life. Um, when you think back on your time in that youth group, if you could tell, talk to those people who have those, that kind of, input into the lives of teens, right? What would you say to them? Like, you know, this is what's, this is really important, right? And maybe you're going to say lecturing for hours on the Bible. That's, that's an option, but you know, but, but especially for those people to hear from somebody who's many years out and say, you know what, this is what really matters. Yeah. I think I would say, Teens probably don't want to hear lectures about the Bible <laughs> from personal experience. Um, but my my probably biggest takeaway is just how can you be Christ-like in your community? And what does that look like in terms of serving others, being um, being kind and open to others and that sort of thing, giving their youth like the chance to experience that, the chance to practice that. Um, and giving them opportunities to serve others, to show them how to be kind to others, and that sort of thing is probably the the biggest concrete takeaway I have is just giving them the chance to do it. Because those are some of my favorite memories from youth group is serving, um, doing like the Warren Village Halloween party and getting to serve um, the youth. We would put on a, a party for the children of a low-income housing area, mm-hmm. um, getting to serve 
you know, on the mission trips every summer was, was a highlight. Um, getting to serve at, at church, getting to participate in, in fundraising activities or that sort of thing, like the, uh, the feeding of the 5,000 that they used to do a big food fundraiser yeah. and just giving them the chance and the, the opportunity to serve like Christ would have in their community, I think is probably one of the biggest takeaways that I have and, yeah. and continue to do into my adulthood. <laughs> Well, Alyssa, thank you so much. That this uh, um, really has been a lot of fun um, for me. I hope it's been fun for you too. Yeah, um, and <laughs> fun for fun for Jeremy as well. Um, yeah. You know, one one of the things that I think Jeremy and I recognize after you know each of us having done youth ministry for you know decades at a time by now um, is that often some of the most awesome things about youth ministry happen after those teenage years are done. Um, and so I, I just, because we have the opportunity right now, I just want to say, you know, thank you for who you are, um, and know that I continue to be proud of you. And it really is like kind of a, um, a privilege in a lot of ways that youth ministers have to be involved in those formative years, right? Um, those teenage years are really hard for everybody. Um, everybody feels like the weird kid. Um, everybody struggles with something at some point. And so, um, it it really is a privilege that we were able to be connected through the ministry at St. Luke's. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm so glad that social media happened while you were in youth group as well. Yeah. Because once upon a time, it would have been way more difficult to keep up with like former youth. Um, but now between Facebook and Instagram and, uh, I don't do TikTok cause I'm too old and not cool enough to do it. But, uh, between all those platforms, it's really amazing that like, there's these continued connections that, that, uh, get to continue to happen. And so just know I'm proud of you and I I'm celebrating the new job that you took on and totally excited for where you find yourself these days. Thank you. All right. Jeremy, Thank thanks you for so not, much. uh, Jeremy, thanks for not asking too many embarrassing questions. That's right. <laughs> I really well, appreciate that about you too. Chris, we will always have Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, yeah, we will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and Alyssa, thanks again for hanging out with us today. 